0: February 14, 1999, Blast from the Past debuted in 4th place on Valentine's Weekend, and both Brendan Fraser and Alicia Silverstone got a glimpse of what the 2000s had in store for them. Elton John made an appearance on The Simpsons, and an episode you remember slightly worse than the Max Power episode before it, and slightly better than the Homer Bison SUV episode that came after. The impeachment proceedings against Bill Clinton finished, and our long national nightmare was only just beginning. Meanwhile in Memphis, Tennessee... A future Hall of Famer makes his debut at St. Valentine's Day Massacre in your house. Blood is thicker than water. This is Helena's Cell Phone. Welcome to another episode of Hell in a Cell Phone, the podcast where we attempt to make sense of the Attitude Era of WWE 20 years later. With me, mostly, is Bobby Hankinson.
1: Boop, boop, we do. Very excited to talk about this episode.
0: <laughs> and also, Eric Silver. Happy to be on the
2: podcast that uh, has episodes as long as like a, a seven or eight mile run. You can really, you can start at the beginning and then by the time your run is over, that episode will be done. It's great.
0: I don't know, Eric. I think your seven or eight mile run time is a little bit different than my seven or eight mile run time.
2: Sorry, um, uh, four miles for Aaron.
0: Four, yeah, you're, you're very, very being very generous.
2: I don't know, man. I run like a an eleven minute mile when I go
0: for runs, so I don't think that I'm I'm actually going as fast as you think I am. No, I'm just saying that I need to uh, for a seven or eight mile run. I need to like. Couch in three like day long breaks in between them.
2: <laughs> Listen, you just gotta you you just gotta, you know, lock in and then just uh be a big dumb robot. That's what I always tell myself. You just keep running because there's nothing else you can do. Did anybody here see
0: the movie Message in a Bottle? Definitely not. No. Uh, okay. No. Absolutely well, not. Because that was the top movie this week, and I just I read the Wikipedia summary of it earlier today. First off, the Wikipedia for Message in a Bottle was updated 13 days ago, so there must be some real major news going on in Message in a Bottle land. And I looked at the Wikipedia for Robin Wright, who is in the movie, and hers was updated a month ago.
2: Uh oh, there's a Robin Wright head out there. <laughs> um, what? So, Robin Wright is in Message in a Bottle. Who's Who's the male lead? Kevin Costner.
1: What a cast. Wow.
2: I have absolutely no idea what this movie is about, but I assume they use the police
0: song in it. Uh, I read the Wikipedia, and I can tell you what I remember from memory from reading it once earlier today.
1: Do it. Do it.
0: Okay. So, um... Robin Wright finds the the titular message in a bottle. She is a um, newspaper lady from Chicago. (laughs) She um, is, is so moved by it, and then her newspaper publishes it without her knowing. So then they try to track down who the author of the message is the bottle, and they find out that it's Kevin Costner, and he lives in the Outer Banks of North Carolina, they he's then mad when he finds out that they tracked him down from the message in a bottle that he wrote to his dead wife um eventually they might have like kind of a romance but then um he can't deal with anyone else but his wife he then rebuilds a boat with his brother-in-law goes out and saves three people but dies himself but wrote another wow. note saying how he was ready to move on right beforehand. This All right. This, this You know what this is? This, to me,
2: sounds like someone was, like, watching Sleepless in Seattle, <laughs> and then they did a double feature with City of Angels, and they were like, how do we... There, there's definitely, like, in the, I guess, the early aughts, late 90s, there's, like, an obsession with, like people's um people's like correspondence or or like their problems being made public and like the public fervor to hunt down a person who did this right like there was sleepless in seattle Mm -hmm. uh it's the only one i'm coming up with (laughs) what about like it could happen to you where he like marries where he like wins the lottery right didn't didn't some shit happen there
0: uh yeah and I think that that was in the newspaper in that movie too.
2: Yeah, there's I th- I feel like there's a thing. There's those two. Look. Okay, it's a it's a working theory.
1: All I'm saying is that in this crazy mixed up world of ours, I can't tell you how happy I am that the title of that movie was in no way a metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was worried when you said it i was like i really hope there's better be an actual message in a bottle somewhere because if this is actually a metaphor about like calling out to the universe as a cry for help i don't want to hear it
2: hmm. no we're we're still never ready for like uh, a metaphorical title that has nothing to do with like a literal component
1: yeah, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, Life is Beautiful, all extremely literal titles for the films.
2: Yes, The Joker. There is a Joker
0: in it. Oh, uh, man. Also, in my pop culture blind spot, Angel of Mind by Monica was the top song. Oh, bitch. Okay, I got a question. I, I got a story for you right now. <laughs> okay.
1: My eighth grade, my, it might have been seventh grade, but it was definitely in that realm. My best friend, Dan, he was, we were like inseparable, joined at the hip for like sixth grade to probably like 10th grade. Um, he was dating this girl whose name is, I will say uh, completely and fully legally on this podcast, Annie Marchetta, because that's such a, the name of a character in this story. So uh-huh. uh, Annie Marchetta, again, such a middle school girl name. She, even though she is not forever a girl in middle school, anyway, uh, she was dating him they were like boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, they would like go to, like our moms would drive us all to the movies kind of thing. And she wrote him a letter once, and it was just the lyrics of Angel of Mine. It was just the <laughs> lyrics written out
2: <laughs> on a piece of
1: loose leaf paper, stuffed in an envelope with a fucking stamp, and mailed to his house.
2: Did, did she say that it was from Angel of Mine, or did she claim it as her own?
1: Oh, no, no, no. It was just like, hey, you know, I thought these lyrics were appropriate, and so... Uh, I think we might have been, like, just ahead of AOL instant messenger away messages at this point. So this is what we did back then, kids. We literally hand-wrote lyrics onto loose-leaf paper, apparently, uh, inst- to get attention.
2: So three things. Uh, the first is, was that the same uh, f- the same friend who you almost ended a friendship with because he didn't um, understand your respect for mankind?
1: It is, actually, yes. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm.
2: I I keep up with the Bobby pressure. Hankinson lore, yeah. The, the Bobby uh, Hankinson
1: cinematic universe, if you will.
2: Yes, yes, the extended universe. Uh, the second question I have is: Was Monica the same person who also sang with Brandy? Uh, "The Boy Is Mine." Yes, she was. So, so she's big on titles that have things that talk about what belongs <laughs> to her.
1: Very possessive. Very possessive.
2: Yes. That
0: Monica. Monica is a capitalist at heart. <laughs> Really. yeah
2: yeah exactly she she's uh, uh very yeah, very into her belongings uh and then the final thing is you know uh it's funny the whole like you know wrote lyrics down and sent it to somebody um when i was like i i want to say in like fourth or fifth grade i had a crush on a girl and fucking stupid me i like called her up and i and i played like the beatles over the phone oh. for her thinking yeah but i you think you were like it Jesus, was helter like,
1: skelter without, without the energy
2: <laughs> yeah no i i played blackbird <laughs> i don't even <laughs> no i played i want to hold your hand or oh. or like something something ridiculous
0: that's that's so sweet
2: cute. yeah
0: well, I'm, an, it's, I'm it's embarrassed am mort- it's Well, it's mortifying, but it's also adorable. Yes, it's mortifying.
1: I do like that you recognize I, that you didn't have the upper arm strength to hold a boombox over your head. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, listen, listen. I'm not going to, like, ride all the way down to her house. Fucking stand out there. I'm going to do this from the privacy of my own living room and Truly. just hold the... Stre- stretch the phone with the cord all the way over to the speaker from the kitchen.
0: So I had never heard The Angel is Mine. uh, Or Angel of Mine. (laughs) (laughs) The Angel. (laughs) I had never heard it before. Said it now
2: before.
0: (laughs) The Um, Angel is Mine. So I put on the video earlier today and I was like, oh shit, is that Tyrese? Is this where Tyrese got his start? Then I had to learn through Wikipedia that Tyrese had an entire musical career that I had no idea about before he was the star of the Fast and the Furious franchise.
1: Yeah, I think he was model first, musician second, actor. Still waiting on that one to really kind of settle in. Uh... Wait, what? He was a he was a model first, then a musician. No, 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 I no. I, I it just felt.
0: sounded like you were besmirching Tyrese, oh, who is yeah. fucking incredible in the Fast and the Furious series.
1: Again, a series of films that are a blind spot to me. I've only seen Hobbs and Shaw. That's the only Fast and the Furious movie I have ever seen. I tried. Bobby, to watch, I've never seen him either. I tried to watch um, them from the beginning fairly recently because I was like, "Truly, I cannot go on like this." And I tried, and I, it's really hard to start at the beginning because it's like it's like from another. It, they're like they were made on another planet. Oh yeah.
0: Like oh, hundred percent. hundred percent.
1: I, I, kind I of actually find a better place to jump in.
0: Um, you could start with five. Okay. You'll be able to fill in the backstories, and that's when the rock shows up, and that's Great. when it get like five is the best one. And it sets the template for everything to come. Um, Four is kind of dour. Tokyo Drift has its moments and it's fun. I actually, um, you were just on Gina Bloom's podcast, Talking Wrestling. I was. I was. You
1: guys should check it out. It's called Sweet. Um, We're talking about WrestleMania thirty six. Sorry. Okay, go on. Plug.
0: Okay. Yeah. No. Um. I was. I was also on Sweet, A Lady's Guide to Bro Culture, talking about Too Fast, Too Furious, and kind of gained a new appreciation of it because it is from a completely different time. Um. It it like it and, and it doesn't make sense in, in today's especially in today's world. Um. Yeah. Like of two thousand twenty. But, uh, it's a fun little artifact in there too. But I don't know. Fast five, I, go with there.
2: I, I I only assume my episode it has yet to be scheduled. <laughs> uh, I am just I'm just uh, I've been leaving a, a few calendar dates open, so well, here, I have a few
0: few options to choose from. Well, here's the here's the questionnaire because I'm sure you could pitch something to her. What would be a, a an artifact of bro culture that you could be an apologist for? Oh, man. Like, if somebody w- had never seen this thing from bro culture, who? what would be the thing that you would be the guide for, for a woman to, like, no, this is why we like it? The Wraith? Maybe the Wraith. <laughs> I love whenever the Wraith goes up because it's so specific. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess that's it. <laughs>
2: Uh, I don't know. I guess I'll have to think about it. I that's the thing. I also I I have I've very um it's been very hard for me to identify with bro culture. So, I think somebody would have to call it out for me for mm-hmm. me to be like, "Oh, I guess that is bro culture
0: that I like this." I didn't even realize. Yeah. I don't know, like jaws, something like that. I
1: don't is know. Is jaws, jaws bro culture? I don't yeah. I think jaws is bro culture. I don't I disagree. Jaws posters are bro culture. <laughs> <laughs> But Jaws, Maybe like
2: Quentin Tarantino is Quentin Tarantino bro culture yeah. like Sometimes. Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, that's yeah. Thing,
1: but even, but like I don't think Jackie Brown is bro culture. So it's, right. It's, I
2: also can't. I also can't defend Tarantino. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't really know if I can do it.
1: Few folks can. I do think that uh, Jaws is not bro culture. I do think Jaws, the film, is honestly like great artistic achievement. Full stop.
2: Yeah. No, it's an amazing movie.
0: That's a very. It's a very very good movie. It's the an Jaws incredible. It, like like Jaws is. If you if you're at, like if I had to I might say Jaws is my favorite movie ever made. But it's also about three guys in a boat, no yeah. women, hunting a shark.
1: Totally. Also um, guys, I think we're all forgetting something. Fight Club.
2: <laughs> oh, I could I could defend Fight Club. Fight I Club. actually really like that movie. I'm she not may sure if Fight
1: Club because it's so on the nose.
2: Yeah, it's very I mean, it is the definition of bro culture. Yeah. Um well, anyway. we'll see. Hey, hey, by the way, I don't pitch. I get, you know, I'm uh I don't I don't you're uh, offer only. Yeah, I'm offer only. I don't audition. Okay. Uh let's get into it. I'm so excited. It's so funny. I guess I guess we've just been so starved to talk to each other that we're like guys, I could bullshit for two hours about literally all the things because
0: Honestly, uh, I I'm, just want to talk to you. And and I'm I was very excited to talk about everything at the top, and I'm very excited to talk about this pay per view.
1: Same here. Let's do it.
0: Okay, so we are talking about the St. Valentine's Day Massacre in your house. The last pay per view with the in your house tag on it. Oh, that's a wrap on in your house. <laughs> Not anymore
1: wait
2: <laughs> wait are they bringing it back no NXT we're just all in, in our your... house oh, <laughs> well, yeah that's no, true also
1: they're literally doing nxt in your house sorry if you guys are behind on this week but they're doing a pay-per-view nxt in your house with the in your house branding the exact pink yellow blue font they announced it on wednesday on nxt Shawn michaels and triple h i want to say it's the 25th anniversary since the first in your house um so they're doing in june nxt takeover in your house so it that kind of excites right. me. Yeah, it does seem very cool. And they do seem like they're definitely like winking. And I, I would I would honestly bet money they'll bring back that set. I would bet money they're going to bring back the set because like that's actually, how I mean, leaning into this they seem to be doing.
2: That's where Mick Foley lives. <laughs> he actually he got all that money. He just never bought a house. He just, <laughs> it's just a, a two dimensional thing with some plywood holding it up.
0: Actually, I think they're going to do it in your house, Bobby. They're going to do a COVID rag on a pole match.
1: I love it. As long as they wear their fucking masks, I don't care.
0: (laughs) Um, did you guys like the intro for this?
2: Uh, I I I said for the record, I'm okay with the old timey intro. Yep,
1: (laughs) Uh, loved it. I was I was watching it and I was like, there is like a an almost an even more heightened homoerotic element to all of this. Like, are they in love? And I was like so incredibly <laughs> here for it. I love yeah. it so much.
0: The they being yeah. Stone Cold Steve Austin and Vince McMahon who are shown through a sepia toned, like old timey film with what I thought was some like classic song, but it turns out, nope. Jim Johnston, writer of a lot of the uh, WWF theme music at the time, wrote this My Crazy Valentine song. It was, like but it was so a little like-
2: bit like a Betty Boop, right? Yep. Yes. Like a boop, boop,
0: boop, Yeah. Yeah, it was like uh, it seemed like a song that would be in Johnny Dangerously.
2: I only say, What is it? Uh, I, I'm only gonna say this once. I'm only gonna <laughs> say this once, right? Is that is that what Joe Pesci does? That uh, Joe Piscopo. Joe Piscopo. Oh God, Joe Piscopo. <laughs> and Joe Pesci. Jesus Christ. I'd watch that. By movie. the way, here here's just an aside. I've been doing Duolingo uh, uh, to learn Italian, and I have did you know that uh pasta pastifajo it just means pasta and beans? Yes. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> like Hold on, wait a minute, Eric, you're
1: making pizza dough. Learning Italian. Listen, buddy, my culture is not a costume, okay? What are you doing <laughs> over
2: there? <laughs> what is this? No. You should see me. I've got my I've got my finger in like the uh the okay symbol and I've got one eye squinting and I've got a big comical <laughs> chef's hat on.
1: Listen, next thing you're going to tell me you're, that you're going to be like calling me the middle of the night about how worried you are about me, like my mother. Like, I don't un- like this <laughs> Sicilian energy uh,
2: you're bringing. You, you know, I'm actually going to I'm trying to get Italian citizenship.
1: I did not know that.
2: Did we, did we not talk about this? Yeah. My wife, my wife is an Italian citizen. My wife. I and I mean, I
1: know I know yeah. Italia is Italian, obviously, but I didn't realize she was an Italian citizen.
2: Yeah, no, she's first generation uh, American. Her mom uh, was born, uh, you know, like lived in a small village outside of uh, Rome, literally was so poor that there was a a town dog and she just called the dog Gano, which means dog. (laughs) Like, She just ran around in bare feet and like befriended a wild dog. Uh, And I guess like, you know, at some point uh, when Talia was able to, she was like, you should get a uh, an Italian passport. And so Talia did that, did that and, you know, has citizenship. And if once I'm married to Talia for three years, I believe I can um, I can apply and also get citizenship. But I need to pass
0: a fluency test.
2: Wow. About- we're just yeah. looking.
0: Uh, we're just looking for all the ways to get off of this sinking ship. <laughs> Never we can.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm going to go to Italy where they've got it all figured out. <laughs> they, they, they're they literally piling their dead in the streets and, like, calling it a tiramisu. Uh, <laughs> where I'm like, I got to get out of America. We don't. We, Europe's got the answer. Anyway, literal. <laughs> yeah. t- their lady fingers are literal fingers. Okay. Ooh, um, By the way, I was super surprised that... Um, you know, I shouldn't be that surprised, but it's really shocking to me that even Jerry Lawler has a hometown crowd.
1: I was going to say, cheering for Jerry Lawler feels a little like cheering for OJ. It was, like, very unsettling.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, this, I mean, it depends on what year. But, yes, I agree. <laughs> like, it you feels know, like cheering the, for OJ In now. the 60s and
0: 70s, yeah, that's great.
1: No, it feels well, like cheering for OJ now.
0: Yeah. But this crowd <laughs> was on fucking fire throughout the Wait, entire.
1: I got... Sorry, I had one more thing, um, kind of like intro e before we jump in, is that I just had a quick thought about, remember when Western Union was the fastest way to send money? <laughs> 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 I found that very funny. <laughs> I found that very funny because I can literally send imaginary money of Bitcoins by the billions to strangers right now. And by the time I finished the sentence, I just thought I thought that was yes. great. They're like Western Union, there's no faster way to get money and you're like, "Oh man, we <laughs> couldn't even imagine how much faster it would get." The government now, deposited you know like $1200 in my bank account the other day. Come on.
2: You know what? Western Union couldn't imagine it either. They were like, uh, guys, this model is never going away.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we're going to die like this rich forever."
2: Like, literally, Superman 3 already came out, and Western Union was like, it's never going to get faster. Yeah. Yes, I know that banks, uh, you know, perform transactions using computers in literal millions of a second, but you're not going to get money faster than uh, sending, than walking over to the lo- local store, typing out a wire, and then uh, waiting for them to deliver it.
0: Was Western Union, did they do... Um telegrams also yeah probably i mean they they're just clinging to all like the like the most archaic culture that they can for as long as they can does western union exist now
1: no i don't think so and even the name western union sounds like pony express it's like
2: they actually they actually pivoted and they became western beef the supermarket (laughs) (laughs) Guys, there's no more money left in the union, we're going straight to livestock. Western Union still exists. Easy online transfers anytime. Wow. But they say easy, not the fastest. They can't, even they know. (laughs) Yeah. So now can I
0: talk about the crowd? Yes, sorry. Let's do it. This crowd. crowd was on fucking fire throughout the entire night, so it didn't matter if it was Jerry Lawler or a house plant. There is a specific time
2: of, of, of this pay-per-view that I want to address the crowd. Not, not you know, talk to them directly. But, I like, I have very specific thoughts about the crowd at a certain point in the night. We will get there. Okay. Well, should we go to the first point in the
0: night? Sure. Gold Dust versus Blue Dust.
2: Oh, fuck this. I... You know how um, when the New Age Outlaws, like when, when, Jesse, uh, when Road Dog and Badass Billy Gunn had back-to-back matches yeah. and I hear, had to hear the New Age Outlaws music twice? Turns out it can get worse. In the same match, the same shitty entrance music used twice. Okay. It sucked.
1: To be fair, the entrance music is not shitty, but you are correct that hearing it Ugh. twice was annoying.
2: I I really don't like that entrance music. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's
0: me. I just I just can't fucking deal with it. I coming down in favor of the entrance music also, but not as really? favor- yeah. yeah yeah for for Goldust. It's,
2: it's it's it sounds like like Casio that was played on like an After Dark movie on Cinemax.
0: You're saying that it, like it's a bad thing for the character though.
2: I'm okay. Uh, I yes, then I I understand like there's you know you can uh, you know you can appreciate a a choice for what it does. I guess my issue is I just don't fucking enjoy the music, so it's not you know like yeah maybe maybe it serves him well, but it didn't it it just is not fun for me to listen to. I also I think I've as I've been watching this I've I think I've decided I don't know if I like Gold Dust like. They, he had, there were a couple moments where he was going in some weird places, and I kind of enjoyed it, but I think on on balance up till now, I'm not sure I like Goldust that much.
1: It does feel he's a little directionless at this point, and he's been sort of like face and heel and back and forth, and with, especially with us not watching the Raws a lot of times in between Eric and I, I do think that like his some of his character is getting a little dropped here and there. But I do think the original gold dust, like the, the original Hollywood ambiguous character, uh, was was really, really good, and I do think the music really, really fits to Aaron's point, because it's music that sounds like Hollywood, not sounds like something that would be made in Hollywood, but something that just sounds <laughs> like Hollywood,
2: which is <laughs> shitty. All right, you know, fair enough.
1: Uh, but this, speaking of shitty this match. The best thing I can say about oh it is that God. it was short.
0: Guys, I had a lot of fun watching this. You did. Oh, I did. Fuck. I did. Cause it seemed like the two of them, you know, when you go to a concert and it seems like the band is having a really good time when they're playing and then it's kind of like, all right. And it like, like gets you into it a little bit more. These two guys seemed like they were having a lot of fun out there for this three minute throwaway match it starts a pay-per-view i mean it's baffling but again i just i i I was having fun i enjoyed the spanking i enjoyed the the crowd screaming for them to kick him in the dick at the end
1: yeah i did love that i was like who is (laughs) i'm like who is the face in this i'm so confused yeah i I know yeah i had no idea also like like you're cheering for him to do like a classic heel thing like what what is happening i'm so confused
0: yeah super it, confusing it felt
1: like
2: i was gonna say it felt like they were gilberging uh gold a little bit but like i get, not really gilberging him because i guess it's supposed to just make gold dust angry like gold dust is the face but you know what i mean like like well, having I, bl- having gold- blue dust parody him
1: So let me, a little bit of a a little history here. So uh, Blue Meanie was doing Blue Dust in ECW previously. So this is not something he just, he's doing the first time as Blue Dust. Uh, In fact, they did a lot of, actually, before the WWF was doing these sort of, like, impersonation sketches, uh, ECW was really doing it uh, and skewering, like, the NWO with the Blue World Order, the BWO, which was Al Snow and Stevie Richards and some other guys in ECW, uh, including the Blue Meanie. Uh, and Blue Meanie was like, uh, like a, almost like a, a take on Scott Hall. Scott Hall was the bad guy and he was the blue guy. And so like they did a lot of the same shtick that we saw kind of play out um, on WWF. Uh, and, and also he had done this Blue Dust character similarly to Skewer, WWF, while in ECW. Uh, so this is the first time he got to bring that character Into and in a program with the actual gold dust, which I don't know if there actually was anyone who knew this at the time and cared, and like if there's if there was any fan service to this at all. But that is an element of this, uh, that I thought might be relevant.
2: That's more interesting, honestly. I had no idea. I thought, I thought this was just like, all right, here we go. Back to like more of just like, here's the guy fighting the you know, the funhouse mirror version of himself. I think that's. That's more interesting, for sure.
0: Definitely more interesting. And I will say, watching the Raws on the lead-up, it was kind of fun seeing seeing the Blue Meanie take the piss a little bit out of Blue Dust in the costume. And it was getting over with the crowds. This crowd was just, like, amped for anybody at all. (laughs) There was definitely a heel-face dichotomy here. It was just largely ignored by the fans. Goldust right now was in a little bit of a program with Al Snow where he kidnapped Head and it was Blue Dust who returned Head back to Al Snow.
2: I, I mean, I will say for, you know, back to this crowd, when you're cheering for Jerry Lawler, then clearly any, you know, anything goes. You're on board for all of it. Like maybe, maybe everybody in Memphis was just happy to
0: get out of the house. And again, I'm not going to die on any hills here. I definitely did not just need to see Blue Dust come gutters when he uh, yanked yeah. up the onesie. But <sighs> I had fun watching this. Listen, I'll make you
2: die on this hill. I don't care if you want to or not.
1: <laughs> I will kill you on this hill.
2: <laughs> uh, I, I, I did write that I thought Blue Dust was a little bit like Tobias Funke. Yes, definitely. <laughs> he, he, he totally blew himself.
1: I don't understand how Jerry Lawler made this whole time without making a blue balls reference. Did I miss it? Because <laughs> it just felt like it was there for the taking and I cannot believe he just left it on the table.
2: Yeah, I agree. We had blue balls waiting for the, the Jerry Lawler blue balls comment.
1: Truly. But I did uh, I did love a blue mini moonsault. That was fun. I love when a big guy does a salt because yep. it gives me faith that one day I could do a backflip.
2: Yep. I, I I called that moonsault out as well. I thought I was like, otherwise this is garbage. But that moonsault was good. So then after this match was uh the package that kind of uh talked about Austin and McMahon. Um one of my favorite things from it was they were they 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 played a little bit of the package and then they quoted uh they said something that 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 uh Austin had said. I think it maybe Lawler had said it or something. They they said that Austin said, I'm going to wipe the spit off my face with your blood, which I find extremely ineffective. <laughs> yeah. uh, not to mention probably a biohazard in multiple ways. Uh, uh, obviously, we're more uh, aware of it during these times, but
1: uh, well, <laughs> none of
2: it made any sense.
1: I will tell you, gay men still can't donate blood if they've had sex in the last three months. So I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> <laughs>
2: no cavalierly straights also when you donate blood they ask they ask have you gotten your have you exacted revenge on vincent mcmahon in the last six months we know what that entails
1: have you been blading
2: <laughs> that would be amazing if if no wrestler could give blood because they've been blading
0: truly uh, more
1: of a concern honestly
0: yeah no i agree So after that, we went to the hardcore championship match: Al Snow versus Bob Holly.
1: Now this is uh, for the vacant hardcore championship match, previously held by the Road Dog. Uh, at this time, the Road Dog had requested to go to rehab, so he relinquished the title and he is getting the help he needs. Uh, Road Dog also, it's I guess worth mentioning. Uh, is a veteran of Operation Desert Storm and all kinds of things like that, had his share of Demons, uh, but uh, unlike most wrestlers who are forced to go to rehab when it's become a problem and unsafe for everyone around them, Road Dog actually is a pretty, from all all accounts, a very stand-up, solid guy, uh, faces Demons head-on, asked for the help he needed, got the support he needed, uh, but that's why we ended up with a vacant hardcore championship at this time.
2: Oh, uh, what was his uh, what was his his drug of choice?
1: I don't know. I, I imagine. I mean, most of these when it's uh, unless told Percocets or something, it's usually some kind of of pain medication. It's usually some yeah. because it's usually something that they get an injury and then they they take a little of this because they have to stay on the road and they take more and more of it because they build up a tolerance and it's tailors all this time. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about that specifically in a bit, in a couple more matches but, uh, that issue specifically But I, so I don't know technically what Road Dog's issue was, if it was the bobble, if it was pills, if I had a guess, just based on trends, I would say it's probably some kind of uh, painkiller of some kind, but truly that's just speculation
2: in the meeting he's like, and then one day me and my partner are just going into the sewer trying to pull <laughs> the car keys out and i realized i couldn't i hit i hit rock bottom and then i got hit with the rock bottom
1: <laughs> so that leaves us with uh al snow and bob holly both uh members of the job squad
0: there was uh, a really fun lead up to this um on january 25th raw al snow teamed up with road dog for a hardcore tag team well not tag team but hardcore team match Against the brood. Um, and so what they were building towards was a best two out of three series between Al Snow and Road Dog for the Hardcore Championship. Instead, on February 13th, the night before, on a special Saturday episode of Raw, Al Snow, without the Road Dog there to fight, goes out and fights himself, puts himself through a table. Bob Holly comes out and is like, what What the hell are you doing, man? Which leads to a fight to them and leads to this match tonight. Great. Love Damn.
1: it. El Snow was fucking great. El Snow and, like, the more, you know, obviously when I was watching this as a child, I didn't have the internet. And so, like, I didn't know anything about any of the behind the marks. I, I was strictly a mark. Uh, I had no outside knowledge. I mean, I knew, obviously that it was you know that it was a work and i knew that like what was happening but i i didn't follow in the backstage stuff i really appreciate the artistry that goes into it and the more like part of this project i really appreciate the most is like being able to look at al snow and hear stories about al snow and how fucking smart he is and creative and all the little ways i think that he influenced people like mcfoley and stuff like that and able to like had, had like fingerprints on some of the best stuff of the attitude era
2: is al snow alive
0: yeah he's still alive yeah. And training oh, so also. Happy. Yes. Uh training other wrestlers.
1: Yeah, he operated school for a long time.
0: That's so dope. I, I don't even know
2: how much I want to wrestle, but I would I think I would want to like go to his school just to be around him.
0: But yeah, just a fun uh knockdown hardcore match that went all over the place in the building. Yeah. There
2: was a great line, uh that Al Snow had where he, I think he hits him with the telephone and he goes, Here, reach out and touch somebody.
0: Yeah, which I thought was really funny. That was really funny. And then right after that, they find a collection of floor tiles as though the property brothers are uh, redoing <laughs> the arena. Like, oh, this one's more of an eggshell. Smash. This one's more of a cream color. Smash. I love
2: it. I was. I was, I was too caught up with, like, where, wherever they were, where they were storing all of those mops. <laughs> Why did they have so many mops?
1: Well, it's for Toxic Avenger the Musical. They were going to put that on. <laughs> so, um, I love, I mean, I forget, man. I used to love the shit out of the Hardcore Division. I love these matches. They're, they're violent, but they're, like, very, they're still very, like, cartoony Mm -hmm. and their violence and so like you get kind of like the thrill of like this like crazy unpredictable fight that has these like wild spots without sort of like the queasy feeling you get when you're watching mick foley do it so like Mm -hmm. i i I really like it i i miss this i was like oh this is like it's just silly enough that it feels like i'm watching the power rangers like i i don't know i just like I, i really liked it I really Bobby, I felt, this match.
0: I felt the exact same thing. Like, I want to see them start at the Barclays Center and then, like, fight across Atlantic to Annie Ann's pretzels at uh, Atlantic Terminal. I mean, like I, Ann's, always...
2: I, I, I call her Auntie Ann, but okay.
1: We saw this at Money in the Bank, like, literally a week ago, and it was fucking one of the best things I've seen on WWE in as long as I can maybe remember, like, in recent memory. It was... The Money in the Bank match they just did at the corporate headquarters was one of my favorite things I've ever, ever, ever seen. I loved yeah. it. And this has elements of that.
0: Because it's Looney Tunes. It's, it's yeah. Uh, yeah. embracing the madcap thing of like like this stupid fucking thing that we love so much. And just remembering that, oh, it can be this stupid fucking thing and still be great at the same time.
1: They can still, I think sometimes what the WWE does, and we're going to see them do it a lot in these pay-per-views that we watch in the time period we're in, is like when they do something sort of gonzo bonkers, they forget to also do like the physicality and the storytelling, the physical storytelling that that really makes wrestling unlike anything else on earth and -hmm. the things that we really love. And I think what the Money in the Bank match did, and what this match does, and these kind of hardcore matches do, is it blends both. It's like cartoony, but they're still doing spots. They're still doing things that are exclusive to wrestling that is insane to watch happen in a in a live or live on tape kind of scenario.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, one of the notes I had actually, you know, I, I didn't I didn't pick up on the Looney Tunes aspect of it, but I kind of I wrote that I thought it had like a backyard aspect to it. It had a real like old school your friends fucking around in the you know in the backyard and just like you know throwing each other around especially when they were outside and like they got into the water Mm
0: -hmm. like
2: that to me felt like it had a real like oh like this is just like you know you know your friends like fucking around but like they're doing it
0: a lot better than anybody else would I laughed really hard when I think it was King said he's a welder about Bob Holly. Um oh, yeah, Eric, yeah. what you need to know is is Bob Holly is coming from a gimmick where he was Sparky Plug, the race car driving wrestler. <laughs> why would a why would a, a
2: drive a race car driver ever decide he needed to wrestle? Like, talk about like that a race car driver isn't even like Physical with their body in the same way, you know what I mean? Like, like none of it makes any sense. Like well, when I'm not when I'm not driving a car as fast as possible, I like to
0: well, if he's pummel also, my body, if he's also a welder, he's got great union benefits. What is he doing <laughs> in the ring at all?
2: Yeah, first of all, he should have he he obviously needs to have like one of those supportive uh, back belts, you know, like the the weight distributing belts. I mean. And this is a guy who's not who's not thinking about like his pension days.
1: Look, I, I especially in light of the road dog situation, this joke may seem in bad taste, but I'm gonna make it. Uh listen, he had the need for speed, so he became a race car driver, but he also had the need for speed, so he became a <laughs> professional wrestler.
2: <laughs>
0: I will allow it. I got a little nervous as they got down by the uh, the Mississippi River there. That was the exact same way that Jeff Buckley died.
2: Yeah, and it's weird because he was a good swimmer. You know, that's just uh, a ba- a bad undertow will take you. Wow. What was that? Fuck, that was a horn cuz <laughs> everybody here sucks. Listen, even in even at the end of the world, people
0: are shitty drivers in Brooklyn.
1: Hey, I'm podcasting here. <laughs> <laughs> when,
0: this, when we get back, Bobby, do you want to go to the finish? Uh, sure. Or do you I'm want me to? S- I can
1: do it. Uh, no, I remember good enough. At least I think. Or you could jump in if I if I okay. if COVID brain is is too mushy. Um, we good, Eric? Yep. Okay. So they end up fighting down by the banks of the great Mississippi River, and uh, which I think is dope because it's, it is truly must be so fucking cold. Bob Holly is wearing spanky pants, and they are <laughs> jumping in the fucking Mississippi River like lunatics. First of all, my least favorite spot, though, was when they smashed each other's heads into the rubber tire. I was like, thank you. Like, that sounds like very cozy and easy. Uh, anyway uh but they fight back onto the bank at one point i think it's bob holly breaks a stick onto the back of El snow which ricochets the like breaks and the piece goes flying directly at the camera which was kind of dope um then they fight 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 bob holly ends up wrapping al snow in chain link and pinning him to become the new hardcore mm-hmm. champion
2: by the way, you were supposed to be wearing your 3D glasses for that um, that stick uh,
0: spot.
1: Oh, here I had my Smell-O-Vision card the whole time, sitting around like an idiot.
0: <laughs> oh, good. You smelled the Mississippi. And you were supposed <laughs> to be taking your 3D penicillin after you were in the shallows of that river. <laughs>
2: Yeah, they definitely like and the worst part is like they their tetanus shot was not covered by like <laughs> oh, insurance. Of Let
1: me tell you, I actually wrote on the top of this uh, my notes for this that this should be called the put your head in the fucking toilet massacre because every single match is like weapons and gimmicks and blood and guts and like something. Every single one. It's crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, and- Bob Holly is your new um, hardcore champion.
0: And it's great. I mean, it's it's elevating a guy who obviously has talent and it's keeping the hardcore division fresh.
1: Yeah, the hardcore division is not the 24/7 title. As like it's just not. There is a legitimacy to it and Bob Holly, I mean, anything the like mean, if you like Google Bob Holly, like every single artifact about him will lead off with, he is one tough son of a bitch. Like he will beat the shit out of you and like not apologize for it. Like he is like a legit nasty, tough guy. Um, so I think even him in this division ends a huge air of legitimacy. Not that he was lacking before, but
0: he's kind of a reverse Samson. You cut off his long flowing locks and all of a sudden there's a badass beneath it
1: i love
0: that i yeah uh, i
2: was gonna say he's a reverse who's the guy who got his ass handed to him in uh the brawl for all
1: Bart gun no bark on one uh the bradshaw
2: not Brad. no 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 the guy who like they paid ahead of time oh, oh
1: dr death uh, dr death steve williams
2: dr death yeah
1: yeah, I also love a reverse Samson because, as you know, I don't like guys with long hair. So I love that as a concept. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I have, some, uh, I have some bad news for you for later in this match, but we'll get there. Or not, not in this match, later in this pay-per-view.
0: I thought you were going to talk oh, about God. yourself, Eric, because you haven't been able to get a haircut.
2: Oh, it's insane. It's crazy. Like
1: guys, every, every day. I guarantee you I got you both beat in terms of wild hair i I would, I would i would bet five dollars i think we should have a bet we'll all send each other a selfie after this but i am it is rough
2: well you know you know aaron's gonna lose because he shaved his yeah head. i just
0: i just uh redid my head this week
2: sorry sorry aaron you're you're still in it <laughs> five dollars is on the line <laughs>
0: sorry yeah sorry i could be the judge how about that
2: yeah no you're dying on this hill. <laughs> I will kill you on this motherfucking hill and take your five dollars. I'm going to
0: wrap
1: you in chain link and leave you on the banks of the Mississippi, <laughs> you motherfucker.
2: Oh god, can we please talk about the Undertaker's service? We can. Oh, I want to talk about some badly. <laughs> we can. The, the 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 service that also doubles as keeping warm under the underpass, <laughs> under the oh as the overpass.
1: Oof! It was like Shabbat. It was like a Shabbat scene in Rent. <laughs> <laughs>
2: the what what are they like they 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 got together all of their best oil cans lit a fire and cut off a you know where their wore their fingerless gloves to warm the
1: I don't know where we're at cuz I'm not watching the Raws and Aaron honestly I don't even know if it's worth going into but I just know that I remember as the ministry of darkness was happening in real time it, as a child even being like what the fuck is this like literally what huh like it's the most like batshit hardly even remotely trying to justify itself, uh rapidly expanding, weird fucking thing that's just also at the same time like has these some of the biggest guys and is like the least consequential. It's just I just remember everything about it being making no sense and obviously the small pieces i'm seeing are not making any sense either uh without the context in between but i also don't feel like the context is that helpful if i remember
0: you're you're not missing a whole lot as far as context what it is is it's a lot of momentum it's it keeps on moving forward but it has no real stakes because it's not really grounded in any kind of anything other than undertaker taking control but he hasn't even like issued a statement against anybody at this point it's more just like amassing his legions
1: it's like control from whom like vince or yes like what yeah, from, exactly that's that's what i'm saying God. like what is it from the devil like who <laughs> is he trying to rule the wrestling or rule the world like i'm just so adam- that's
2: i i literally wrote let's check back in with the ministry's goals because <laughs> yeah. i don't know what's on their vision board like what the, is it you hope to accomplish
1: the ministry after him, uh like, Real KPIs, I think. Smart goals, <laughs> measurable. You know what I mean,
2: right? Like, don't try to take a whole bite. Let's take a, you know, let's just let's see what we can digest for now. And like, okay, are you trying to get like, um, you know, like, uh, what is it, nonprofit status in the world, <laughs> World Wrestling Federation? Like, do you not want to pay your taxes? What, what's going on? Are they a mega church?
1: Are they trying to get us to tithe?
0: <laughs> well they're definitely not trying to put on an entertaining match as seen by the next one
1: Oof. oh my this god this is bad oh, oh my god aaron i i i took handwritten notes which i usually type my notes out but i took handwritten notes for this because computers are tough and uh i just realized i don't have a single note for this match not a single one it just goes right from that that one to the one after this Not not a note not a, oh. not a, not a single thought between
0: well here's oh i had a cu- i had a couple what were you gonna say well here's the thing about this match is who are we supposed to be rooting for? Exactly. The timekeeper.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it was like like... I, I wrote I wrote I wrote uh when everyone was chanting Boss Man Sucks, I was like, this truly is a contest of who of who people could hate more. <laughs> because <laughs> it's 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 like uh it's like a preview of November. It's like, oh are you are you on Midian's side? Are you going to vote well listen if you don't if you don't vote for Midian, you're going to get another four years of boss man, so
0: too real <laughs> Um but I like Midian. I like what they're building uh, with him as kind of like this creepy like Igor servant thing
1: i I appreciate considering how long we watched him literally roll in pig shit the amount of uh, trying he's doing to do something to stay relevant. It's a little sweaty. It, I mean, it's literally sweaty, but it's also sort of figuratively sweaty, uh, and it's not good. But I do appreciate the fact that he's, like, leaning full, like fully into this, like, batshit thing.
0: And I think we're going to go... I like that he... Sorry, you go ahead.
2: Go ahead. I was just going to say, I like that he dropped his... Uh his urine sample off at the announce table.
0: (laughs) Um, I think we need to go a little bit more in depth into the ministry. So I think after WrestleMania 15, we got to have a whole deep dive episode of kind of building up what the ministry is, who's in it and what's going on at this point. Yeah. A a Kabbalah, if you will. (laughs) But I honestly, so I, I have two notes here. Who should we be rooting for? Boring. And then I guess what happened? The gong hit and they just kind of like fought their way out.
1: Uh I don't know. They, oh no, they, Viscera.
0: Um yeah. Viscera they attacks attack. and then they drag boss man out, but we don't really get any kind of closure as far as what's Correct. happening. Yeah.
2: Yes. Cool. I by the way, I, I like I like Mabel's upgrade in names to from Mabel, which is a weird name, to Viscera. Yeah. You like you like Visra? I like the name. Yeah. I mean I don't know. I don't think I like anything else about it. <laughs> Everything else was kind of this this shit was boring. It was really fucking boring and the, even a, even a crowd like this knew it was boring.
1: It sucked. Bad. They had no chemistry. Boring. Everything about it was bad. Characters were bad, story was bad, the work was bad. It was bad. Yeah.
0: And speaking of a lack of chemistry, we then go backstage where Ivory (laughs) is with Mark Henry and D'Lo Brown. Wow.
1: Ivory uh, is actually from the original Glow, the real Glow. Uh, That's cool. She played a character named Tina Ferrari. She was probably probably the best wrestler of the bunch um, on the original Glow. Now, an aside to this aside... Uh, I learned from Pritchard's podcast, uh, Something to Wrestle With, with Bruce Pritchard and Conrad. Uh, great podcast. I get a lot of info from there. Plug. Uh, that at some point, Vince was approached by essentially the Bash character from Glow, if you watch the Netflix series. So the the, the sort of eccentric uh, rich guy that was money rolling this whole thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. That guy showed up in Vince's office with one of the Glow women He couldn't remember who. It was not Ivory. But he was there with another glow woman and he wanted to pay Vince a bunch of money to let his glow woman beat his WWF champion on their program and carry the WWF belt for just like a brief amount of time as essentially a publicity stunt. And Vince was like what the fuck like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's definitely, amazing definitely that's like not how any of this works and like we can't like the world like there's so many reasons why like it's not even a matter of money or pride like there, it's just like not how none of this that's not how this works that's not how any of this works like it's just like there's so many reasons so vince had a well, but, lot but of,
0: to be to be fair yeah. like with the like the fucking cardi nature of all of this it could be how this works if anyone wanted it to be mm.
1: It, but this guy that's not not glow and not like this and not this guy and i think there was just like a lot of like lack of understanding of the industry and mm-hmm. it's not even a matter of like you couldn't put the belt on a woman it's just more like you couldn't cheapen the world title like this it would never come back
0: like oh this, oh right? oh wait wait, like, wait 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 so he wanted them to beat like stone cold steve Shawn austin sean yeah, sean okay
1: or, Yes, like Bret Hart or whatever. Like be the WWF champ. Not I the thought. I thought
0: champ. the women's championship, and I no. was like, "Yeah, you could hundred. No. You could do that."
1: No, 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 no. They wanted to be the actual champion, which is which would be obviously a huge news story. was like absolutely fucking not. How did also? How did you get in my office? Like, <laughs> who, like who, even, who even set up this meeting? Like, it was bizarre. Uh, well, at this point, really are cool you going to fix
2: this toilet? Are you? I, I brought you in to fix this toilet. Are you going to do that at least? I
1: thought that was a really cool story, but it also um, Vince it left a really bad taste in Vince's mouth about anything Glow related. And so when Ivory was being brought into the company, um, or like they were thinking should we hire her, he was like, "Glow, no fucking way." But anyway, obviously it ended up working out, and uh, here she is. Uh, I also, but however, I never found. Ivory sexy? Like, I know, I mean, I know obviously there's some good reasons for that, but I mean, it looks like she was always kind of, and I don't mean her appearance, I mean her mannerisms, was like yeah. a guy doing drag for Halloween. Like, that's, <laughs> yeah, it, she, yeah. There's a lot of scarf work, and I'm like, it's like, that's nothing, that's actually nothing sexy about what you're doing. <laughs>
2: And no, not- I literally, I wrote, I wrote, uh, I'm already unimpressed with Ivory. Like there was nothing that was like, she didn't have any kind of like, uh, I don't know, chemistry with about her. there was no i don't know there was nothing that was like star then felt like star quality
1: she she does have it she really does and she'll find better characters but this was like a really they're you know they're bringing her in on the heels of sable you know what i mean they're trying to make her like another like sexy lady and it's just like it's the wrong idea it'd be like if they tried to do that to uh to charlotte or becky who are objectively sexy women are beautiful beautiful women but that's not their vibe. That's like not what they're there for. That's like not the kind of performers they are. And like, that's kind of, I think that's true for ivory, but the attitude Era didn't really have a place for that. And so they kind of pigeonholed her into this like scarf lady, sexy dancer. And it's (laughs) uh, bad, just bad. I I I, I did not like that.
0: I saw a little bit of what could be from her near the end of the match. And I guess we'll, we'll go through the match and, and get to that later on. Uh, but the matches: Mark Henry and D'Lo Brown versus Owen Hart and Jeff Jarrett for the tag belts. Um, Mark and D'Lo have Ivory. Jeff and Owen have uh, Deborah with them. Um, By the way, I was
2: very excited to see Owen again. Owen had kind of gone away for a little bit. Yeah,
0: yeah. And they um, they took the belts off of uh, Bossman and Shamrock in the Raws in between, right? Because that's that's who was champion last time. We I saw believe this. so. Yeah, which led to. Which included a really weird scene where. Um, where Briscoe and Patterson were feeding Boss Man and Shamrock Saltpeter so that they wouldn't be affected by Deborah's sexy wiles.
1: I remember yeah. that. I remember that when uh, it aired. I don't remember next. I remember that's when I learned what Saltpeter was. Cause I was like, the fuck?
2: I. I just learned what Saltpeter was like this week. I had no idea that it was it was.
0: Considered uh, something to reduce a man's sex drive. Yeah, I I learned what it was through an episode of Beavis and Butthead. So we're all kind of figuring it out as we go.
1: I think also about this. You know, one of the big things that was predicated on that this match was predicated on was Ivory's threat that basically she's the equalizer, and that if Deborah interferes, she's going to be so mad that she's going to just rip her clothes off. And I'm like, this is why you need women in the writers room, because like. We would never have a man say, like, I'm so fucking mad at you. I'm going to march down there, and I'm going to rip your clothes off. Like, that's not a threat, right? Like, that's, like, not something you say out of anger. It's just, like, a weird it's, – it's an obvious, like, weird plot device.
2: And then it, it's uh, – a yeah, it's it's basically, like, the – you know, it's it's the Chekhov's boner.
1: Yeah, I'm going to tickle you so hard. Like, it's a very weird – thing like i'm so mad at you i'm gonna get down there and shove my tongue right down your throat
0: but then when deborah does inevitably interfere then all that happens is she marches down and starts yelling at her causing d'lo brown to get distracted and turn away from the match like this is why you had ivory here was for this specific purpose and then you're not going to let her do it and you're going to take your eyes off of what you're actually there to do
2: yeah. Also, they they destroyed Deborah's only blazer uh, <laughs> for this bullshit.
1: And she had a job. In the she's got
2: to. Yeah, she she's got to go dumpster diving for another one. How many? You, you think she's gonna find a Mandy's between now and, and uh the next morning?
0: Um, this is a fun okay.
1: match. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I mean, uh, three out of these four guys can really go.
2: Yeah. I thought this was a really high technique match. Like, it was. They were just. They were like falling all over the place, being thrown all over the place. There was a lot of really, really fun. I like. I I can't. I, I can't necessarily point out like one spot that was like, oh my god, this is the spot. But like, it was just one of those things where you know, like bread and butter, Owen Hart, where you're like, man, just like you know you're not going to get necessarily like something off the top rope uh you know onto the announce table but you're going to get like just some fun shit some suplexes some you know
0: just uh, owen is you know meat and potatoes owen i think amazing yeah i think that's a dead on assessment there eric that that when you've got this much talent in the ring then it's going to be something good and fun not necessarily something like super memorable but it, these guys do what they do so well it's hard for them to disappoint in something like this yeah by the way um some so one of the things did you
2: guys catch when uh the king described i think he was maybe describing ivory uh and he referred to her as like valentine's day chocolate no Uh, i didn't you guys catch that no he, he said, like, Valentine's Day chocolate, chewy inside. And I was like, what the fuck?
1: <laughs> I liked one uh, when, I forget, I think Jerry Lawler said that Mark Henry was childlike when it comes to women. And Michael Cole went, yeah. oh, yeah? How yeah. so? And then there was, like, an awkward pause. And I was like, I hate yep. what's happening. Like this is You, you don't no. have to sell this. You don't have to sell Mark Henry likes women. It's okay. We get it.
2: But, like it's also childlike like he's he just has a wonder when he sees them <laughs> like what the fuck is wrong with
0: you guys <laughs> but also kind of weird like that that hu- uh, the hug that he went in for Ivory was downright wholesome
1: yes and it literally cuz i wrote this down my note was during the hug like that exact moment is when i think it was Michael Cole that said he exudes sexuality and i was like <laughs> not right now he ain't
2: <laughs> <laughs> Uh, by the way, there were they, there was a there was a part where they were talking about D'Lo and Mark Henry's uh, women troubles, and they were like going through the list, and one of them was like Sammy. I oh, don't know who Sammy. Oh, was. Eric, it's, wait, it's wait, just wait,
0: just wait, just wait. We're we're doing a deep dive of Mark Henry's relationships coming soon. Oh boy.
2: Oh, by the way, I don't know if this is a, this might be a good place for it. Um, I finally, you know, in our last pay per view, there was the um, unknown. A female fan assailant, and I finally think I figured out who it was. Okay, Cloudy. <laughs> okay, <laughs> no, it was uh, Trish Stratus, right? Nope. No, no, it's... it wasn't Trish. Oh, no. I thought I had it.
1: No, Eric, you're not gonna guess it. And honestly, it's like it, you're you're not gonna guess it, and you're also not gonna be like happy with the reveal. So it's not even really worth thinking about more.
2: Wait, was it Big Show? <laughs>
0: all um, right i i will say i i saw ivory like the attack that ivory did on deborah you could see like the wheels turning in her head it's like okay this is the time that i do it and then i noticed her shoes and the fucking platforms that she had to run on i'm like okay i'm gonna excuse any kind of look of concentration on your face because moving around in those things as fast as you're doing has got to be a fucking chore yeah
2: well she was doing a quick drag challenge, and that was the worst part of it. She picked the she got the only shoes that were left, so
1: I really didn't like the finish of this match uh for one thing that actually feels kind of amateur you know it ended with Owen Hart, you know the distractions, the shenanigans, on the outside, yes, but the actual inside the ring match uh Owen sneaks around with a guitar and hits Mark Henry in the knees, but he literally like walks in front of him to get behind him to do it, and it was like, come oh on, guys! It just was like it felt real, real sloppy, and like from Owen Hart, who should know better. Like again, he walked in front of him with a guitar to sneak behind him to do it, and it, it it was it really broke the illusion for me.
2: I think I think once the once like the Ivory and Deborah shit started coming out. I think everything devolved, right? So everybody, yeah. people stopped playing to the top of their intelligence. It started being like, okay, how do we get to the part where where we get to see Deborah's like, clo- you know, top being torn off? And yeah. and that's what it was. Someone needed to, it. to
0: like swipe edit this scene for sure. It definitely <laughs> ran off the rails, right. <laughs> So then we saw backstage that earlier tonight, while mankind was hanging out with Bob Backlund and the Iron Sheik, the rock came in and attacked him with a pallet and what looked like a beer keg. Uh, uh, I, th- I thought
1: that was a garbage can, yeah. kind of like an old timey, not old timey, but an older, I thought it was a garbage can that had like an ashtray on top, kind of like those. Oh
2: yeah. Cans. That
0: looks, that sounds better.
2: Sure. Or, or maybe, or maybe like a, um, like a nitrogen tank. I don't know. Uh, Um, I like that I like that Mick Foley was giving the play by play on him getting hit
0: as he was watching it. I don't really have anything on this because as soon as the free photo magnet offer showed up, everything else popped out of my head.
1: Right, because you were printing out your bill, you were putting it in an envelope, you were putting a copy of your social security card in it, you were putting out your thumbprint, you were licking it with your DNA, and then you were mailing it off to the WWF, who would have no other means or no other reason for it other than sending you a free magnet.
2: Send us the name of your first pet and uh, the last eight digits of of your credit card number.
1: Could you imagine paying like $50 for this shit and then having to mail them a bill to get a free fucking magnet?
0: It would be amazing if the WWF was just a scam to collect people's information. And then all of a sudden the wrestling just uh, magically started working and the scam just dissipated. <laughs> but somewhere they right, got like, like a storehouse of all these, like all this information. And they
1: sell it's like the
2: producer. It's, oh, sorry. It's, it's like the producers where they're like, you know, we actually can just make more money wrestling than, <laughs> uh, than just cre- performing credit card fraud and identity theft.
0: Also, uh, I think now would be a good time to note this is exactly one week after Ken Shamrock and The Rock guest starred on an episode of that seventies show.
2: Wow. I can't imagine Ken Shamrock in any position where people have to like listen to him talk and and like react. Like and I can't like in the seven in that seventies show is is there like at one, at least one part where he just goes like His eye pops. Does
1: belly-to-belly suplex uh, Ashton Kutcher at any point?
0: I haven't watched this episode since February 7th, 1999, but I do believe Eric, yes, there was a time where he just goes, and then he says something like, I give and I give and and nothing is enough. And that's his only scene. Wow. I'll take it.
2: Okay. Oh, by the way, just to briefly touch back on, on the, um, the magnet, you know that mailing address was in my, in the, the neighboring town next to my hometown? Our, uh, Rockville Center. Weird that they, I don't know why they have like a, a P.O. box or whatever in Rockville Center, or Long Island, but they did.
1: You were just mailing it, it to Vince Russo directly. It had to be for some <laughs> kind of tax purposes.
2: Right? Like, like they're like, uh, we can't get this in Connecticut. They'll, they'll trace us.
0: So Ken Shamrock is facing against Val Venus for the Intercontinental title with Billy rocking the ref outfit um, because Earl Hebner has said that because Ken Shamrock is so crazy, he will not allow any of his refs to officiate this match.
1: I love that Ken Shamrock is so crazy he holds the steel chair upside down. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> from the from the raw package recap i was like i do remember that as a, as a kid that ken chanmark did like he always held the chair kind of upside down like that and i still think it looks kind of cool
0: you could get a better grip that way
1: yeah it just is like it also might hurt more because again it's not as like uh the legs which are not as broad so like the literally like the psi or whatever is higher which is why they use the broad side of the chair because it spreads around the impact and it hurts less which person why they hit the broadest part of your back, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't mm-hmm. know. I thought it was. Uh, uh, I just, and also, I think it looks fucking
0: cool. It's not something I've hmm. clocked. It's something I'll look out for, though.
2: By the way, in that package, uh, I think at some point, like, Shamrock's, li- like, yelling at Valvinus about, like, don't touch my sister. And I thought it would have been good if he had just said, no one fucks my sister but me.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, if. If this had maybe been like a few months earlier, like a year earlier, when they were still kind of figuring out what the attitude era was, that might have been something that would have happened. Truly.
1: (laughs) I mean, Ryan Shamrock shows up here dressed in what I believe was one of those stretchy textbook covers from the time. (laughs) 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 For like a very small book. Like I don't understand I like I was you guys know both you and our dear listeners i am no prude but man i was like oh my god oh my god is she okay can she move is that okay i see i think is that a labia like it was the smallest tiniest most form-fitting thing and once sable just wore handprints, and i think this was more (laughs) revealing
2: yeah no it was you know there there it was like sausage casing
1: Jesus I was like honestly even by the 90s Standards this is disrespectful
2: And and they're like You know his innocent I mean not that your clothing Says what, what it is about you but like Whatever they were going for With like the girl next door type of thing I, Unless like was it supposed to be That Val Venus like tricked her out
1: Which he's changed now I, Yeah,
0: yeah
2: like he's turned her
0: I think it's more of this is who she's always wanted to be, and her overprotective brother is holding her back. Just
2: well, listen, we're all born, we're all born naked, and uh, and (laughs) what is it? Drag is everything else, and uh, Ryan Ryan Shamrock's dress is everything else.
1: Terrible! What a whole I'm just like this. I I mean, I love valviness, but I do think that like this is one of those storylines where again. This is why I need women in the writer's room. It's just like, it's so obviously like treating a woman as just like an accessory to this story as someone to be claimed or owned by her brother or, or her lover and it's Madonna whore. And it's like so fucking dumb and boring. Yeah. And even at the time it was dumb and boring and overplayed. And I just, I hate everything about these kinds of stories. And we have about 120,000 more to go.
2: Well, isn't that the flaw with like Valvinus' gimmick? I mean, I know he, I know it's like, like the, the whole, like, I'm, I work in porn and I make puns is fun. But isn't like the flaw, the, the, the main flaw with how they use him the fact that it's basically like, I'm gonna fuck this girl that's important to you and like, you're gonna wrestle me over it. Like, it just it's the it's same as with Kai and Tai. It's the same as with all of these things. You know, it's just like Alright, cool. Or right, the what is it? With uh Valvinus and uh and, and Terry. Like right? Was he with Terry? Yes. Yeah, just like it's the same fucking like it's basically Valvinus is also being defined by like the women he can take from you as opposed to like anything else
1: oh sure and i mean like the thing about the valvina stories though it feels like they always start good it's always like this woman actually was being controlled over here and like this is almost like a way out or a way to as you were saying with ryan shamrock aaron like sort of like this is who i've always been and wanted to be uh but the problem is then he like dumps them in like a horrible disrespectful way and you realize that and then they're destroyed because this whole new sense of self was actually just um, all fueled by his power and I don't know yeah and it would be be so easy
0: to just give the women some agency in these stories and make them into a valet like you have that role of the valet which is an established wrestling trope but you instead want to make them these helpless damsels that are pulled in one direction or another and well, know- and it's like it's like when, when you have when you have a person who in the in the story world
2: is watching their lover like fight their brother. You would think they'd be a little bit torn emotionally in any way, but instead she's like on the side going, "Come on, Val, get him!" And it's just like what what is going on? And it it it, also, it like it highlights all of the stakes of like what is like in the world of of wrestling like what is supposed to happen is like if i pin him in the ring are you going to stop fucking him like if or if he pins if he pins me does that mean I have to allow you guys to date each other? Like, oh it's, yeah, yeah. It, it, so,
0: like, if, if it's if, a different, yeah. If Shamrock, sorry, go if on. Shamrock pins Val, is it emasculating him to the point where he's no longer desirable for my sister, or like, or vice versa? Yeah.
2: It, it brings up it brings up exactly the same questions that the Ministry Sabbath brings up, which is just like, what does the what does wrestling have to do with your fucking baggage, man? like like okay you're upset that i'm dating your sister that fucking sucks but like why are we settling this in like a in a federation sanctioned match what the, what are the stakes of this match i don't understand you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's just like because of because they they're bringing in outside emotions and they're not really establishing what the point of like what the results are going to be it just becomes like well, we have a reason to be mad at each other, and it's that fucking you know woman with a vagina.
0: And wrestling for the intercontinental title should be enough in and of itself. Yes, yes, exactly. And, like I forgot there was a it was a title. Match. And then it leads to like the fucking hilarious moment where um, where Shamrock has Val in the ankle lock and then Ryan Shamrock reaches in and somehow is able to pull two 250-pound men close enough for the ropes that Val's able to break it up.
2: Well, have you ever seen mothers when their children are stuck <laughs> under a car? Like, you just... You get that strength.
1: So good. You guys... I also... Again, the commentary here was great because I feel like Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler are just... Like, the chemistry is truly classic. Again, because. Yeah, And so, my favorite exchange is Jerry Lawler goes, Hey, do you see the movie that they made? Did you see all those movie made with, uh, with, with uh, Ryan Shamrock? And Michael Cole goes, No, first of all, didn't, yes, and he goes, No, no, did you? Which was implied when Jerry brought it up, and Jerry goes, Yes. And then, no further information. And so Michael yep. Cole goes, yep. Can you tell us more? <laughs> And then, and wait, I think it's better because then Jerry, after a very long pause, and should we know that Jerry Lawler is losing his voice this whole broadcast, so he's also, like, not delivering his best in terms of, like, quickness, but what does come out eventually is the director didn't yell cut, he yelled throw water on them, which, what a fucking terrible joke. If anything, it should be they didn't yell cut, they just threw water on them. Not they didn't yell cut they yelled something else because that's not actually very impressive. But also, like it's,
0: but also it's not to mention. Of, oh god! But also not to mention the fact that we saw part of that movie earlier and they're in a shower during it. <laughs> <laughs> they they literally were throwing water on them.
2: Oh my god! He so, actually so he actually crazy. yelled that instead of action. He was like, "Throw water on them, <laughs> go!"
1: I was like, "What is the fucking like? Not a single like, at that point. Just stop talking." Just fucking stop talking. What a dumb exchange. Ugh. Also,
2: I think it's really funny if, if uh, Jerry Lawler just just calls showers throwing water on. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I, if I haven't thrown water on myself in the morning, I'm, I'm not awake for the rest of the day. I just need to just throw some water on. I
1: did like the joke, though. Siskel uh, and Ebert gave it everything up. That's a pretty good joke.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's a I'm good fine job. with that. But um, but so speaking then, of of oh go on. But so then, also, like speaking of water, then so then Ken Shamrock goes, "Blood is thicker than water," which that saying doesn't really apply here, <laughs> right? Yeah, that saying no, that saying means that like even when you're separated, you still, like there's still blood between you, right? No. Yeah.
1: No. No. Oh,
0: that phrase I, wait, I want to no, hear Bobby it, explain this this phrase now.
1: It's family first. It's like uh, blood is thicker than water. You look after your your family before everything else.
0: But why does it mean that?
1: I don't know. But I, that is definitely because I, I, that's I have heard it my whole again. You might need this for your citizenship exam. Uh, it's a very Italian thing. They say all the fucking time. You can't even get through an episode of Real Housewives of New Jersey without them saying it at least once. Like, and has nothing. Sangue. To do with it, has
0: nothing to do
2: with,
1: it has nothing to do with distance. It has to do with loyalty. But why? Uh,
2: i don't yeah i agree i don't think it has to do with with distance i think i think it's more just like um water is like a is like maybe an everyday thing in your in your life but like you know it's something it's a necessity but blood is uh more important than that
1: because blood is thicker than because blood isn't thicker than money and blood isn't thicker than i don't know uh Opportunity and anything else, so for the metaphor to work, the thing has the thing that we're using has to be thinner than blood to to uh, assert that blood is the thickest because blood as we know isn't really thicker than a lot of things, which is why i 'm not speaking to my family right now
0: <laughs> i wanna, uh, is... I want to look up the origins of this phrase and say uh, what it...
1: i'll wait because I would love to be proven right, so i'll wait <laughs> if you want to google it real quick. <laughs>
2: but i I also still don't under, like it does that so basically he's just saying like you should be you should be like uh loyal to me not to the guy that you're sleeping with he should have yes. said blood is thicker than semen
1: oh boy
2: <laughs> which i I don't know if that's true the problem
1: uh, here is that the, there's a the, there's a logical fallacy here and it's not the it's has nothing to do with the phrase let's do with Ken Shamrock's like order of events. The problem here is if if this was a regular, say this was a tournament that got them to this point, and they happen to be facing each other for the title, and Ryan Shamrock is is torn, should she be supporting her lover or her brother, then the phrase, blood is thicker than water, is what would apply. Like, you should always be loyal most to your family first. However, because he inserted himself in this and then demanded loyalty, he's sort of losing the moral high ground of this metaphor.
2: Yes. yeah, like like the reason why they are at odds against each other is because he's upset about her dating somebody, which so like that yeah, it, it, it's not about uh you know an outside thing where they happen to be competing, even though I guess there's a title on the line, but you know, again, who remembers that? Uh, the oldest from recorded, the thirteenth
0: uh... century, medieval German beast epic Reynard the Fox. In English, I can't pronounce the German, but in English it reads: I also hear it said, kin blood is not spoiled by water, which may in part refer to distance, not changing familial ties or duties due to the high seas being tamed.
1: Blood is thicker than water wow. is an ancient and famous English pro- English proverb that means the familial bonds will always be stronger than bonds of friendship or love. The oldest recorded, uh, the oldest record of this saying can be traced to the 12th century German that you're referring to. However, the most commonly used would be that the 1412, the English priest John Lydgate observed in Troy book. For naturally, blood will be of kind, drawn to blood where he may find it.
0: That didn't even so, mention water.
1: We're both right.
0: That didn't even <laughs> mention
1: water. Okay, but I, I didn't argue with you about where the, the origins of it was. I in, with, with bringing in it, the water part. It, it no, means, it's
0: bringing in the water part, explaining the water part of the proverb. I didn't make
1: I didn't say I made up the proverb, but that is definitely what the proverb means and how it is used.
0: I'm just saying it's dumb to say just blood is thicker than water. You to, would to, you should just say I love my family. Sure. Cuz blood, blood is thicker cuz blood is thicker without the you're to say with
1: someone who loves their family. <laughs> <laughs> and that's really I think our real dissonance here is that you're coming from a perspective of someone who loves their family. <laughs>
2: Yeah, they they always talk about the viscosity of blood. They're just like, "Guys, look at how this blood, how thick this blood is. Look at watch watch it clot." Well. All right. Ready to wrap on this one? Yes. Yeah, I mean, just a few a few notes in general. I I mean, now that now that I know that uh Jesse James was uh was, you know, went to rehab, I I kind of understand why Billy Gum was refing. I think it was because they needed to get Billy Gunn out there, and they they needed a, pl- a thing for him to do. Is that about right? Uh, I mean,
0: yeah.
1: Like, he was kind of in the story before with Ryan Shamrock after the the great mooning incident, which compared to right. Belle Venus, literally fucking her on camera seems quite wholesome <laughs> by comparison.
2: Yes, true. There was a really terrible submission hold that went on forever. It was like a it was like a headlock that. Yes. Um, that Valvinas had had shamrock in, I was like, "This sucks, and like Billy Gunn, like none of Billy Gunn's refing made any or officiating whatever made any real sense to me. It was like it was like, I'm a guy who doesn't care who wins, and I'm just gonna like I'll count weirdly and slowly for whoever, and I you know whatever, I'll, I'll just watch you guys go at it. None of it made any sense. The ending didn't make any sense. I mean, I don't know if I'm stepping on what you wanted to get into, Aaron. Did you want to just walk through the ending? Yeah, I was just
0: going to walk through the ending. But you're right, Eric. This was a slog through most of it. Um, and Billy Gunn's motivation here made very little sense. Now, I, I will say when he said he was going to be the ref for this, he kind of like went back and tried to break up a fight between the two of them. And then they he got dragged into the fight as well. So there might be playing up a little bit of bad blood from that. But it really seems like... Uh, Billy Gunn should be mostly, if not totally on the side of Val Venus for this. So, right. So just to walk through it, um,
2: I don't even know, uh, Uh, what happens. That's that's
0: after, um, Ryan Shamrock pulls the two guys towards the rope. Then we get the blood is thicker than water. Um, Ryan slaps Ken Shamrock, uh, Shamrock shoves Billy Gunn when Billy Gunn tries to go after him, after he's like menacing towards his sister, Billy attacks Shamrock, throws him back in the ring, Val wraps him up, quick count, one, two, three, done.
2: Right, and then Billy Gunn like runs back out and and beats up uh Valvinus also. Honestly, right? I'd stop paying Isn't attention he? at that point. Yes. He yes. yeah, he also attacks Valvinus and it's like, sure, reasons. Um and then there was a really weird, like, long silence uh while Valve like while Valvanus was just kind of in the ring with Ryan and the belt, and none of it made much sense to me.
1: I liked um, Did... I understand that Billy Gunn's role motivations were very unclear. I kind of saw him as like a, a kind of like a shitty like DX almost like a troll, you know, just like kind of being trolly the whole time. But that the the submission movie you're talking about that lasted so long, I actually thought was very funny. Because the whole time Val Venus has him in the headlock and he's telling her, ask him, ask him, like ask him if he submits basically, which first of all, no one submits to a headlock, but whatever. Uh, and I believe it's a lock, but anyway, uh, but Billy Gunn responds, ask him what, ask him what? <laughs> and I think it's <laughs> so fucking funny to me to think of all the things that Val Venus could want Billy Gunn to ask Ken Shamrock in that moment. That, that I <laughs> Do you want to get fribbles after this? <laughs> that's such a good one see it's so fun i like i I like that moment a lot actually it made me laugh very hard
0: uh and speaking of making me laugh very hard then we got a commercial for a new mankind t-shirt with mr socko on it but for a second there i thought that really thought that they were going to try to sell an athletic sock with magic marker on it
2: i wanted them to i was waiting for them to sell us a sock i would have been like Where's my Where's my gas bill? Where,
0: <laughs> wait, let me send that shit. In. You get your <laughs> official Mr. Socko for only twenty four dollars. It's a single sock that someone has drawn on with magic marker.
2: Honey, get my government ID and a stamp.
0: <laughs> I, need, I need a sock. Ready to go to the next match? Sure am.
1: I, I think yeah. I think at this point we have crossed um, into the good the actual good part of the pay-per-view.
0: Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, so we've pers- got D-Generation X, Triple H, and X-Pac versus Kane and China. Yeah, when did she go corporate? This was the night after the Royal Rumble. Triple H has his own I Quit match with The Rock right afterwards, and it looked like he was about to hit, I think, the pedigree on top of the, um, the announce table. Mm-hmm. And then China gets involved. Oh man, I can't remember exactly what happens.
1: Yeah, so uh, China, uh, the corporation comes out they are supporting the Rock. Kane lifts China into a chokeslam. That's and it. They threaten like, "You quit right now, or we're gonna we're gonna chokeslam China." Mm-hmm. And Triple H is a gentleman and chivalrously is like, "Okay, I quit. I quit. Just put her down. Put her down." Uh, and then China turns and low blows him. It was all a ploy, and she joins the corporation, which. If you think about it, she gives a very good reasoning for it, which is like I have been supporting these guys for so long. I had my chance in the Royal Rumble. Where were you? Like now mm-hmm. it's my turn, and I'm going corporate. And so yeah. she has
2: joined the corporation as a heel now.
0: You big jacked up bitch. They they, hey. they
2: they really made it they made it sound like or like in the package, they made they were like six months ago. And I'm like, wait, what what's been happening? Like I the the timeline they drew up like made it very confusing. Where I was like, I'm pretty sure this has only happened in like l- under a month, but they made it seem like it had been
0: an ongoing thing for like half a year. But they did bring up a little a good bit of history there, where there was a minute where they were teasing a DX split.
2: Yeah,
1: but that ended up being like sh- like literally just not even a swerve. It was a gag. It was like a prank.
0: Yeah, but so I. Anytime they justify something with a little bit of history, I'm like, you go, WWF.
1: Yeah, at least they're trying. But I thought this was fucking great. I mean, all things considered, we are breaking boundaries of, like, intergender wrestling here, and they actually very smartly did a lot of work to to do this. So um, I think even in the way that there's, like, repositioning china as the ninth wonder of the world is an absolute fucking huge huge vote of confidence from the wwf like corporate office because the eighth wonder of the world was andre the fucking giant so to think that andre the giant was the eighth wonder of the world and now the ninth wonder of the world is china that is i think a huge vote of confidence and they make China a- was actually one
2: of the wonders of the new world. There's the wonders of the old world and the wonders of the new world.
1: Well, there's like the ziggurats and all those things. Uh, but they have uh, <laughs> they. Uh, I think there was that. And I like this sort of like she's not a woman, she's not a man, she's the ninth wonder of the world, which I actually think it's not transphobic. I think it is sort of like a Becky a pre Becky Lynchian the man sort of post gender way of looking at it. I think this match did a lot, and I think the promo work and whatever from Triple H who was in a relationship with China off screen and it makes sense why he was particularly sensitive. And this didn't get super transphobic. I think jacked up bitch, all things considered at the attitude era at this point in time was fucking PC as hell. That is some <laughs> SJW fucking straight out of Jezebel shit. Okay. I thought that was great. So to watch this match and even as someone who's watched a lot of intergender wrestling, nah, a lot is a big exaggeration, but has seen some and some very violent intergender wrestling especially like uh, you know I I made all of you guys watch that like Young Bucks Candice LeRae uh, match with Joey Ryan that was fucking amazing great 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 so good unbelievable where she gets like fucking like super kicked full of thumbtacks, it's wild but there's not a lot of punching a woman in the fucking face and there are a lot of very good reasons why they should not show a woman getting punched in the fucking face however they, watching this, I didn 't feel the way I expected to feel seeing punches being thrown the way they were. It felt like China was giving as good as she was getting. It felt like she was on equal footing with these guys, and that 's a uniquely China thing that i don 't think even someone like Becky Lynch could pull off just visually the cognitive dissonance it would cause the audience but yeah she's she 's too petite yeah. But China felt like she was on equal footing here, man, and she fucking went for it. And not only did she fucking go for it, but the other three guys in this match they went for it too. And they they didn't carry her, but they all carried each other like she was an equal, and that showed in this match. And like truly, I thought it was incredibly powerful to watch to see the, these guys work together like this with her as equals. Kane, X-Pac, Triple H, all of them. Like, right. I going mean, for I... it, selling it was awesome. Awesome.
0: I still think China looks a little green here, but yeah, the work I, I the work that Triple H and X Pac are putting in to make her look this, this dominant force is really a testament to them and what they're willing to do for a partner. Yeah. I I'm also gonna say okay, so
2: I I fully agree with what you said. I mean, this didn't I, this didn't feel like a gross match. It felt cool. And it just felt, it felt like a normal match. I was just like, oh, I'm watching all these like four wrestlers go at it. And it it like, it was, you know, at times I'd stop myself and be like, wow, this is something actually I don't see very often. And it's, and like, I should be acknowledging that it's special because it just felt normal to me. Um, But I will say there was one part of it that made me very uncomfortable. And that was the pop that that it got from the crowd every time China was being hit, and I was just like that to me that was a weird thing. It made me wonder if it was like like police officer appreciation night in the arena or something, because like that crowd was really on board with with watching like just like like any other you know all the other moves were were one thing, but anytime anybody even like like glanced at china the wrong way the crowd went nuts over it
1: yeah i mean i, I wish this happened i wish this match took place with her as the face and not not a heel um and i think without the context of like the betrayal of dx and dx is still super hot right now and her sort of playing into that i i want to like uh uh hope for people's better angels and think that it would have more to do with just wanting to see that justice be served to the heel,
0: but also couldn't uh, couldn't it also be partially like being jazzed to see something new like this with intergent with a woman who can kind of like stand toe to toe and just the excitement of that leading to some of those pops?
2: Could it be? Mm, they didn't have any pops when when uh, it wasn't because there weren't pops when China did something to somebody else. It was
0: only when somebody was doing something to China. Okay, yeah, but I think the heel dichotomy here and especially the betrayal angle it was three weeks ago was uh the royal rumble there's only three raws in between um the royal rumble and this one here so the betrayal is really only two weeks old it's very very fresh and for something that was so hot as the generation x i'd like to, to hope that that's where that comes from
1: i would also to add, me i would also yeah, go on. uh I I would also maybe if not like you're going to go back and rewatch this because we have so much more to watch, but if you were, I'd also be curious if the specific spots you're talking about are not just like a, a an output of like the heel face dynamic, but also like the, the tag team match like ring psychology of like timing it with the hot tags. So if like X Pac was taking a beating. And then uh, Kane and, uh, you know, just made the tag or Xbox just got the tag, Triple H. He's coming in hot. And that also always gets a really big pop from the crowd when the face gets the hot tag. So I also would be no, curious I know. If, areas, I, it... if, if there was overlap with that too. Because I, I know there was one part where I did notice the same thing, but it was definitely coming off a Triple H hot tag.
2: The the, the part that I first noticed it, because like I was kind of doing other things while I was watching at the same time. And I was like, oh my God, I have to rewind. Uh, it was when like X Pac threw her into the turnbuckle, and it looked like he was about to do the Bronco Buster. Uh, what? What? The Bronco Buster on her, and like, and I was like, oh, okay, he's just like he was about to do it. He he, he wound up not hitting it, but yeah. everyone was so excited for that. And then there were a couple times where, where it was just literally like. Oh, you know, like the you know, they're they're doing something to her. It wasn't it wasn't like it was, you know, the typical hot tag type of thing. It was just like middle of the match, somebody is doing something. To me, I just got the feeling that it was a little bit like like um, you know, when you're you know, when your teacher curses in front of you and you're like, Oh my god, they're actually gonna do it. They're yeah. actually gonna hit a woman.
1: I don't know, man. I, I still kind of would push back. I think Even the Bronco Buster always gets a pop. Always gets a pop. Even even if that was Kane there, I think it would have gotten the same pop. I really, I really truly do. And believe me, I would love to call wrestling fans in Memphis in 1999, a a bunch of violent misogynists. Believe me, I would, I I would, I I don't need to look for an excuse.
0: And they probably are.
1: Yeah. Oh, sure. I'm I'm also not saying, I'm not giving saying they're not, but I I do, I I do really think though, like, that's why I like, I'd be curious in the specific spots. I, I, I think that that, I don't know if people were really cheering that. Cause I think even then the, I think the way they set up this match, people weren't even seeing it so much as like almost intergender wrestling, which we can read, we can, we can, we can have a whole other conversation about,
2: but I don't know, but, but I you know, just, yeah, just, just yeah, look, well, look, For, And what, if, if you're out there listening and you haven't rewatched the match yet, watch, or, you know, you haven't, you haven't checked out the, the pay-per-view yet. And you're just listening to this first, go back and watch the match. And, and, you know, let us know what what yeah. you know what your inter- what you how you saw it or whatever that was you know it could be that i you know I was looking at it with those eyes i you know well it's something it's something to keep track of and you know who knows i i don't know if also uh as she wrestles more of these matches, maybe we don't you know maybe we don't see as much of the same pop and so we won't be able to observe it again, but it's something. The good thing is it's all on tape. We can at some point take a look back. But also,
1: see. but also, this isn't like the uh, the meaning of the phrase "blood is thicker than water." There's not one definitive answer here. It really could be open to all kinds of interpretations. <laughs> so we may never know.
0: That's <laughs> right. There's not just right. One. The Germans the and the
2: English have a different idea. Uh, by the way, I just want to say that you know, just just to 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 go back and, and do a little bit of a piece by piece, uh, I I found, I mean the the get out here you jacked up bitch was a good line, but it was like it was like triple h had a real like roller uh he was he was real like up and down in terms of what he was bringing to that initial uh that initial like you know promo when he was in the ring. It was kind of just like, ladies and gentlemen, get ready and he would just start mumbling something like he there was kind of like. He was very uh, uneven in terms of delivering, like you know, trying to get the crowd pumped up and then not following through on a line. Like he did it with the jacked up bitch, but then there was something like
0: he kind of was like, "Let's get out there," and I was like, "I don't no, even know doing, what you just said." But the, that's the that's the regular Triple H entrance for the millions of people at home, and for the or for the the thousands of fans, attendance, and the millions of people at home. And, uh, Let's get ready to suck it it's him doing the uh the michael buffer impression
2: right but it was I guess I guess he was just saying Let's get ready to suck it. <laughs> like
0: it just it felt a little bit like he um he had oral surgery before he got out there guys we've been talking about this match for so long and we haven't even mentioned the fact that Shane McMahon is wearing a purple shirt oh, with matching purple tinted sunglasses
1: don't worry I have that note if do not worry yeah, if
0: anyone is living a gothic lifestyle tonight it's shane mcmahon man
2: shane looks like he looks like the villain in a brat pack movie like he looks like uh james spader in in like pretty and pink oh i I, I think he's
0: i think he's straight up blade villain Ooh. Mm. like he's in he's in steven dorf's uh cadre of evil vampires
2: I think you're but both like right. stephen stephen Dorf like in terms, i mean yes like the 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 outfit, yes, but I'm talking also mannerisms where he just looks like a coked out like oh oh,
0: when he's like going wham wham, wham 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 wham,
2: oh my god, it was yeah it, it was like it was like when you when you try to watch uh when you try to watch like sports with like a a friend who's being performatively oh, i hate uh, performative cheering. sports guy yeah like oh oh man, oh yeah yeah hit him, hit him, hit him right there, and you're like, oh my God, please just fucking watch this I don't oh, need...
0: <laughs> set up the dive defense package, set up the dive defense package, like or yeah, like I like the the they're, they're, the, they're like the guy who needs to show that he understands say. the sport as much as he he enjoys the sport,
2: right, right, or or like, oh man, a ball, that was a strike, it's like, man, there's gonna be a lot more pitches, you gotta
0: fucking. You gotta take it down a notch. So, this match ends with uh, Shane McMahon coming in for interference on X Pac, and X Pac inexplicably chasing him into the backstage area, leaving Triple H all alone. Triple H is ready to go for the pedigree against China. Am I getting this right? And then Kane attacks and chokeslams him, rolls China on top, and one, two, three.
1: Yeah, I wish he could have uh, won clean, but. We'll
0: take it. I think yeah. it makes sense, though. I mean, especially for as hot as Triple H is right now.
1: Yeah, but he could have pinned Dex, but uh, Who the fuck cares about that guy? Yeah,
0: yeah. There are
2: a, a couple things I noticed. Uh, I thought it was weird the way that Kane would like would like uh, help China by by holding her hair. <laughs> he'd like he'd like hold her hair and grab her by the hair to like help her up. <laughs> Uh, that was super weird. I also, uh, not to be too disgusting, but when China was wrestling X-Pac, I was like, where have I seen those moves before? And then uh, I realized it was from One Night in China.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. uh, blah,
2: blah. I mean, no, literally, there are they, they had some similar moves. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh,
0: Alright, but let's move on because otherwise this is going to be the podcast that's as long as the actual episode or the actual pay-per-view that we are reviewing because we're at now the yes. second to last match the rock versus mankind once again this one being a last man standing match yeah i mean i think um, i think as far mm-hmm. as the match itself this is the best outing between the two of them the finish i don't know why they had to go with a screwy finish on this, but a lot of spots that even as much as we've been saturated with these two going at it, that felt brand new and fresh.
1: I I mean, this was fucking great. I mean, just fucking great. I don't know if it was their... I don't know if it would say their best, but I'm not saying, I'm also saying it's best not. But I'm also not saying it's not. I'd have to go back and watch them all, because there's so fucking many, and they're so good, but this is a story that's going back to like Survivor Series, and, and, and still playing out, and they keep putting fresh angles on it, and they keep it fresh, and it, but it doesn't spin off the rails, and it's not getting crazy, but it has progressed steadily to this point. Um, and I love this match. I love I love the Elvis bit he does, the SmackDown Hotel. Yes. I love uh, the claw when he's on the mic. I love the, the callback oh. to all of the chair shots. I fucking love so much of it. I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it.
0: Real quick, when I was doing the research for uh, for the intro for today's, did you know Whitney Houston had a song called Heartbreak Hotel that isn't a cover of the Elvis song? Yes. I... I <laughs> okay. It was I number four that week. That whole,
1: I know nothing about the whole, that entire sports conversation you guys just had. I mean, literally, <laughs> I have no reference point. I couldn't place it. I don't know what you're talking about. I literally couldn't follow anything you were just talking about. So let's call it a wash. Okay. <laughs>
2: Uh, but if you were to watch with us, you'd be like, oh, man, <laughs> what did he do? He dropped the ball. Oh. Well, if you watch a Whitney Houston concert
1: with me, you'd have the same thing, I guess.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, she
2: hit that note.
1: Yeah. Oh, sing it. She's doing Heartbreak Hotel, not the Elvis version.
0: <laughs> it just seems kind of weird that you could do that. No.
1: Well, I mean I guess you can't own yeah, I guess. Like
0: if I was gonna if I was in a band and I was gonna put out a, out a song called Stairway to Heaven, that's a completely different song than the Led Zeppelin Stairway to Heaven. Isn't that the exact same thing?
2: Okay. Uh I don't know. There's a bunch of songs that are that have the same title. <laughs> Sorry, I think there are. Like what? Um well I was just recently looking up this song Pillow Talk, and there's like a couple different like version, uh, not even versions. A couple of different people singing
0: completely different songs called Pillow Talk. Okay, but I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't name a single version of a song called Pillow Talk. Where I think we all oh, have. Well, you're missing out, my friend. Okay, but I think we all have Elvis's Heartbreak Hotel, like in our head. We know that song.
2: What ab- What about It's My Life, the one, the Bon Jovi song versus the um, the Talk Talk song?
0: I, I know one of those. Which one? The Bon Jovi song.
2: Oh God, gross. Okay, <laughs> it's a you know like funny how th- um,
0: Gwen Stefani covered covered the Talk Talk. Song oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a good song. I know, but again, I don't think it's the ubiquity of Elvis's "Heartbreak Hotel." We're, we're, I mean, we're getting... the thing is, nobody put nobody puts the words "heartbreak" and "hotel" together very often. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. And, and again, uh, uh, sorry to derail. What is? Again, an amazing match. Um, the the SmackDown hotel bit into the mandible claw is fucking awesome. Uh, mankind's people's elbow, and then Michael Cole yep. yelling out yep. "Mr. Elbow," which is I, I yes, I, I like it.
2: Good work, good work, Michael Cole. That was that. Uh, I'm glad that that he uh, he stumbled onto that. I hope that we get some Mr. Elbow signs in the future.
0: Um which is the past. The Rock going for the chair shot and it bouncing off of the ropes and hitting him in the face looked great. Love it, love it. The visceral feeling I got when Rock dropped the steel chair on Foley outside of the ring.
2: You mean the steel stairs? Yeah, that's what I meant. By the way, they they really have to... I mean, like, it's so funny when they're just like, those stairs weigh 300 pounds! I'm like, that would sever his foot. (laughs) It would literally... Like, if you... If you dropped, if you dropped just like a forty-five pound weight, like one of those plates that you use in like weightlifting, you know, like that you put on a on a bench press, that would probably like shatter a person's femur. Three hundred pounds
0: would make that person lose their right. leg. Right. Those stairs, though, those stairs just make such a good sound when they hit something that it feels heavier than they are.
2: Yeah, three hundred pounds sound. It sounds. <laughs> Yeah, these guys. Um, I thought the DDT. I thought the DDT through the table was really good. Yeah, uh, I these...
1: cheered when he did the DDT the later on the chair. I, 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 I mean, who gets this excited about DDTs, y'all? I mean, that's how good these guys
2: are. Yeah, yeah, yeah! Amazing. Chemistry. There was also there was a there was a scary spot for me where um, Rock was like on the was hanging off the announce table, and um, Mankind. Uh, jumped off of the apron and it looked it just looked like something that would like he kind of he hit part of rock and rock flipped over yeah the the announcement. yeah table. rock
0: sold that really well
2: yeah it looked like a good way to like hurt somebody's back
1: and honestly i feel like that move hurts mick foley more every single time like the way he like he's just like that's why his hips have been like ground to dust because he just like leaps from the apron and just like takes a hard hit on, right on his fucking hip every time. Uh, yeah, that's bad. Uh,
2: I also I, I liked that there was a part where there uh, it there's a there's a nice I don't know if it if it's considered a callback but it felt like a callback where they start wrestling out into the crowd and they wind up in like the what I call the the you know how there's obstructed view seats in a in an arena Mm -hmm. these are the no view seats like it's you when you leave the like you leave the 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 immediate arena there's like just these this like small section of chairs that nobody was sitting in it felt like a call back to uh the super the super bowl halftime show Uh, but I thought it was really funny. I'm like, why would those seats even exist? Why would they have a bunch of empty seats that are behind all of the other seats?
0: I got nothing else for this. Um, Bobby, you want to go over the finish? Or you want me to?
1: Um, There's a lot of like uh, finishers exchanged, a lot of chair shit. They both end up hitting each other with the chairs. Go down for the 10 count simultaneously. We have a draw. Mick Foley is still your WWF world champion.
2: That that crowd did not like the ending, and I don't think I did either.
1: I disagree. I mean, I, I think they're wrong. I get. I mean, I get why you're always gonna be mad about a screwy finish because it feels shitty. But in this case, I mean, I, I a fight literally fight forever.
0: Yeah, yeah. So the ending is to set up um, allow this feud to continue because a definitive win by mankind would have meant that why does Rock get another shot at this basically? So, of course, then we get, like, this
2: ambulance footage, which I was like, at first I was like, man, the pacing of this pay-per-view is so fucking weird. But then I was like, oh, they need to show the ambulance footage so that they can set up the cage, right? I went
0: on that same exact journey, Eric. So, yeah, so they're setting up the cage for the main event, which is Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Vince McMahon, the Stone Cold Steve Austin's trip to WrestleMania on the line. So after the events of the Royal Rumble after Vince McMahon won, Vince McMahon relinquished his right to appear at the, uh, or to take on the champion at WrestleMania. And the clause in the contract said that if he relinquishes his right, it then goes to the person who came in second, who was Stone Cold Steve Austin through a little bit of work by Shawn Michaels. Um,
1: I love how the WWF refuses to acknowledge... That like the audience could understand a woman's role as anything other than the property of a man, and yet have no problem dipping into contract law so frequently. <laughs>
2: um,
0: there's there's a fun bit in in between here where uh, Vince and the Stooges go down to Texas to try to provoke Austin into uh, attacking him to to lose it. It's fun to go back to if you got the time. So this match starts with, uh, well, doesn't even start. Austin is in the cage. Vince McMahon comes down, no chance, black tank top, and starts running around the cage instead. By the
2: way, I didn't realize that the corporation, the, the corporation, is that right? Yep. Yeah, the corporation has adopted the No Chance in Hell theme song. And still holds on to it to today.
0: Really? Whenever Vince comes out, he comes out to that. Oh god, it's so
2: weird. It's like they just wanted to get the most out
0: of their, the money they paid for it. But also it fits with his character really well. As one who tries to to stack the deck so it's it's only what he wants and nobody else.
2: Yeah, I was to be honest, I was kind of bored with this match for a lot of it, like I don't know, it just watching watching the main event like after the after the Rock versus Mankind it's not that fun to me to watch, like, Austin versus McMahon in, you know, what is clearly a mismatch. You know what I mean?
0: I, you know, it was like that for a while. The opening shen- shenanigans were, were annoying. But then um, Vince is heading up the cage and Austin knocks him off and he flies off that fucking cage and into the uh, Spanish announce table. And it's like, oh, shit, I'm here. I'm here for it.
1: That is, Yeah, it was a good bump. That is a fucking bump.
2: Yeah. Holy yeah.
1: shit, that is a bump. Like, and not only is it a bump, but it didn't work. And so, like, it was a bump and a botch. Like, even if it went well, it would have been bad and it went bad. And the fact that he wasn't dead was crazy. And I can't imagine what it would be, like, for all the boys in the back to watch the boss take that bump. Holy fucking shit. Uh, but I had a similar... I, it's so funny that you guys... Like, I'm, I'm using like, the exact same, like, phrases you said. Like, I literally have a, a note that says, we just watched Mick and the Rock. And then I have one that said, this is too many shenanigans. Like, truly, I, I agree with both of yeah. you that I think the the beginning of this match just, like, lasted forever. And I was like this is when I feel like uh, as a fan, I was like turning on Austin. Cause he's doing this like romper room bullshit now.
2: Yeah, I agree. But, but yeah, but no, I, that, 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 uh, that spot was a good spot. And, you know, then they start doing some stuff, uh, you know, around the
0: outside of the ring, whatever. Well, that's and that's like, when, okay. when the paramedics come in and uh, Howard, Howard Finkel comes in and oh, right. says the winner of this bout. And then Steve Austin cuts him off with that's bullshit. This, this isn't even a match. Grabs the gurney, pushes him, dumps him off of the gurney, and that's finally when the bell rings and the match starts.
1: And that, that that's when it kind of picks up. At that point, I feel like, but I also feel like I turn on Austin because I don't have the bloodlust the crowd has, even for Mister McMahon, who is a fictional character, uh, and they do. And even like I remember being just like very turned off by like the eye for the eye for an eye kind of bullshit. Um well kind of like that kind of justice but to me i really was hooked i mean like when Vince gives him the double bird and he's like he's doing it because he knows he has like well yeah because so 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 bobby
0: worthy this pay-per-view is known mainly for one thing and that's what
1: the debut of the big show
0: yes okay so paul white is underneath the (laughs) uh, what
1: do it like i'm just thinking for a minute what's he
2: doing yeah. You
1: know what I mean? why, like, what's he waiting for? Like, what's the cue? Like, was it not when he? he's was, working
2: on a Rubik's cube? Like,
1: was it was he not supposed to come out when Austin was throwing him off of a cage to a table? That would have been a good time to maybe pop out and lend a hand. Don't you think like,
0: what? <laughs> the so like, thing what the fuck is he doing under there? Yeah, because thinking about the greater machinations of this, the whole thing is that Austin that Vince needs to keep Austin. Busy until the big show is able to take him out so that Vince is able to win, so that Austin isn't able to go to WrestleMania. But the fact that there's so long here and so many opportunities for Austin to win is a little bit ludicrous and asking us to spread to to stretch our imaginations, but also it speaks to Vince knowing Austin's psychology and knowing that if he gives him the double middle fingers, there's no way that Austin is going to leave that ring. But you would think that that at that point he might knock on the floor and be like, Hey buddy, it's time to come out.
1: (laughs) I mean, that's the thing. It's like Austin seems the reason why their, their feud was so successful for as long as it was, was this sort of cat and mouse game. And here it is where the you know the this cat masking where the redneck was outsmarting this corporate billionaire. Millionaire, whatever. But here, Austin's acting like a fucking idiot. Because Austin, you could win the match and then you could just beat the shit out of him. <laughs> Who cares?
2: So like well, he's acting wait, like a wait, wait, fucking but I don't know moron. I
0: don't know if that's true. Because they've also built into the weeks leading up to this that if Austin um attacks if Austin attacks Vince Outside of a wrestling match, he is automatically fired. Uh, So the only time that he's allowed to to put this punishment on Vince is when it is part of a match.
1: Okay, that's This would have
2: been a good thing this would have been a good thing for the announcers to talk about. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Instead of anything they were doing instead. But to (laughs) me, performance wise though, when Vince bloody, beaten, thrown through a table, like truly, I'm sure all he wants to do is go home, you know, like to Doe, he's like, no, I've got to do this, I've got to keep taking this ass-kicking for if it's going to be worth it, if any of this, for any of it to be worth it, I've got to keep suffering and, like, his face the grimace while he's giving those double birds is, I mean that's fucking, act. that is some capital A, acting awesome,
2: but you know here's the thing about it, um there is a lot to unpack in what happens in this match and I think when you're watching the match it's like there's a lot to not, you know, where th- there's a lot that to not understand, right? Because you know, you're like, "Okay, um, you know, they're gonna they're about to call it in favor of 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 Austin, but Austin's like, "No, the match hasn't even started. We're not going to do that." So then he makes it, you know, he makes uh makes McMahon go into the ring and then he goes through this whole thing and he basically it looks like he's about to, you know, just like fin- finally finish it, but then Austin gives him the finger and it's like I I've got to go back and do this. Now the problem with this, at least from my perspective, is it's like too many things because it there's like swerves on swerves because like the idea is like you're supposed to see Austin Get some sort of uh, comeuppance for not taking the win when he should have taken the win, right? Like Mm. the idea is like Austin, you know, like Austin, stop being stop being an emotional, you know, wreck. Be a smart wrestler, take the win, and and like live to fight another day. But no, his he's got a you know he's got this ego, and that should like in in normal storytelling terms, that should be his undoing. But instead, it's like, uh, you know, Vince is giving him the finger, and like, as you know, Bobby, everything you're saying makes sense, but like, I didn't know why he was giving the finger, and it's like you don't find out until Big Show shows up, and then you're like, okay, and it's it's like yeah. the the nothing well, yeah. the things didn't click in well, until have, later. No, because
1: you'd still have the stakes. He, he can't leave the ring because then he wins the match and so Vince is still getting Vince is is doing exactly what you're saying but it wasn't he's not there's still the secondary justification to keep him in the ring which is to keep him from winning the match so like we know that you know Vince has something going on so regardless if we know that it's going to be Paul White's debut it's at least that he's we know that he's giving the finger because we know that it's going to keep Austin from Wrestlemania so whether that means the boss man's going to come down and shove a nightstick up his ass or whatever it at least means that he's going to keep um him in the ring
0: and right not, okay bobby do you have any I guess I, I that, okay
1: but i also agree a lot completely with what you're saying about the storytelling and like how the morality in this world you your uh, hubris is not like you're, is not punished instead it's being rewarded yes. and it's indulgent and that's one of the things i don't yes. like about austin the austin character is that he doesn't get his comeuppance usually no matter how indulgent he is and it's kind of right. annoying I agree right, he doesn't. Completely. There's no
2: lesson. There's no lesson to learn because, you know, Big Show throws him into a thing, and and because the you know because of the cage breaks and he swings out, he miraculously pulls off a win. It's like, okay, well then, yeah, you know, right. you know, like what's the point? A hundred, I a hundred percent agree with that.
0: Bobby, do you have any background on the Big Show's arrival?
1: Just, I mean, this was a huge deal. I mean, like uh, Paul White was the giant. He was a huge literal and uh, figurative. Star in WCW. I think his last appearance was at Halloween Havoc the previous fall. Um, so, him coming to the WWF was a really big deal. Him showing up there is a really, really big deal. Um, so, anyway, I just think that, the, that that's really there's not really any like contract negotiations or anything. I know there was some pushback backstage as to like, why are they debuting him failing, which I also agree with. But Vince just felt like, you know, this Austin McMahon feud is so big. Uh, is so, like... It's the biggest thing happening. This is a huge moment, so this is the time to make him make his entrance and really double down on this moment in history. Um, Even though I think it's kind of silly that he's debuted as an incompetent lackey who fails his very first mission.
0: Yeah. So he was wrestling as Paul White? Yeah, he was wrestling as the Giant in WCW, and they didn't have rights to that name. So at this point, he's Paul White, and he'll be that for... A few minutes
2: well he's a Paul white <laughs> by right. the way was the was the vince thing was the vince thing a blade job
1: absolutely yes, okay, what's also interesting uh to note here, this is I think Vince's first like real 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 like match match match, like not, obviously not the first time in a ring, not the first time taking bumps, but this is real time like working, and what's interesting is the more Vince works, the more that suddenly the ring improved and suddenly the cage wasn't made of metal anymore. It was made of chain link. And suddenly the tables have crash pads. You know what I mean? Like all these little changes that suddenly now that Vince was taking all of these bumps, uh, started happening with the, uh, with like the production and safety
2: side. It's the original undercover boss. God
1: damn it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Oh, just a half second quicker than me. All right. Well, two hours enough for this uh this pay-per-view
1: absolutely not let's keep going
0: <laughs> well we got one more thing to do for years wwe hosted a yearly award show called the slammy awards and we end each episode of hell in a cell phone with our own of the slammies in a segment we call for your reconsideration i'll go first um i'm going to give this pay-per-view the happy meal award um i know it's not real food I know it's probably doing bad things to me, but damn it, I just enjoyed it the entire time.
1: I like it. Uh, I'm going to give the Slammy for Kim to Kim. I don't know who Kim is, but someone had a sign that said Kim, and they made a point to feature it on my television screen. So, <laughs> Kim, wherever you are, this one's for you.
2: Ah, Lady Marmalade herself. Um. Okay, so I'm going to give the 12 monkeys award to the big show, because I had no idea that he had hair like that. He looked like, like Bruce Willis at the end (laughs) of uh, 12 monkeys. Uh, I get it. He he was, he was, yeah, he was trying to avoid the cops. So he put on a wig and, uh, (laughs) and he actually, there was a little big show out in the crowd who that's the, the searing moment that, that struck him. And when he grows up, (laughs) You know the, the full circle
1: His hair reminds me of Nick Cage and Con Air yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah Yes Like it's like It's like you at no point did anybody look at him With hair and go you were Supposed to have that hair <laughs> Like this were sort of like they're just like they all have, There was like an office pool About when he would just go full bald
0: Love us, disagree, want to hurl us through a cage? Let us know. Email us at helenacellphone at gmail.com. Get updates on Facebook or Twitter at helenacellpod or tweet at us individually Erica prime silver, Bobby at Bobby Hank, and erin at slow pass. Our theme song is There Are Traders in Our Myths by Disco Vietnam and our artist by Alexis Yabney. Find links for both in our episode notes. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back again next week for our 1999 Slammy Awards special, and join us in two weeks for WrestleMania 15. All right. All right.
1: This was the first week I was ready with a uh, wanna, and uh, we didn't do it.
2: <laughs> no, we do that in the off weeks. God
1: damn it! I don't what? understand when we make things, that when we do things, and then when things become rules. <laughs> so it's, I feel like it's. I, I need, a, I need a wiki because I can't keep up with our own traditions. <laughs>